In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of John, chapter 7, verses 40 to 52. That's John, chapter 7, verses 40 to 52. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them in that portion of Scripture and join me in reading God's Word. Let's all rise in reverence to the Word of God. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Praise God for the reading of his word. May now be seated. We come to the end of chapter 7. And this is the last piece of text. And then we will move to uh, chapter 8. So the title of today's sermon is Divergent Views based on John chapter 7, verses 40 to 52. On the last day of the Feast of Booths, Jesus invited all who thirst to come to him. It was perfect timing because the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, there was a ceremony where they pour water and everybody watches the water as Water was then, for the Israelites of the Old Testament, at least twice water was provided for Israel when there was no water. God, through Moses, created a miracle where water miraculously came from a rock. Now he said, he proclaimed that whoever believes in him from his heart will flow rivers of living water. In other words, those who believe will never thirst again. Of course, we know now that he was speaking of primarily a spiritual aspect and not more of the physical. Although in eternity, even the physical is included, although that is not the topic of our discussion today. But these rivers that will flow from a person... Jesus spoke of the promise of the Spirit to all who believe. The Holy Spirit was active even in the Old Testament, but was not given or has not resided in everyone who has faith. Not everyone. But after Jesus rises from the dead and after Jesus ascends, the promise of the Spirit will come. Now some believed him, 
but some did not. And we have to understand this was a long discourse. The beginning of chapter 7, there, there was a discussion. And here, after a long discussion, some started to believe, but some still did not. Some had doubts. And uh, it's good to know that some of them know parts of the Old Testament. Because since, since the time of Sinai, they were instructed, the Israelites were instructed to teach the law to their children. They don't have to go to a seminar to learn the law. They didn't have to go to a law school to learn the law. They were taught that God's law must be taught by the parents to the children thereby making Israel from the Old Testament, even to this time, one of the most literate nations on earth. That, that is why there you can see a carpenter argue with a high priest, even to discuss matters of the law because of such literacy. When I mean literacy, not a formal degree, but the literacy, the intelligence started from the home, from the home. Now, there was a discourse, but some started believing, some did not. Now, the interesting thing was, those who came to arrest Jesus could not arrest him. And John, the writer, kept saying that. They could not lay hands on him. The people even observed that. And John, the author, kept saying that. And even until here, it would be said that those who were told to arrest him could not arrest him. Although many marveled at his teachings, there were different reactions. And the author of the Gospel of John, who is John, the son of Zebedee, also known as John the Beloved. Gospel of John will reveal that the Pharisees practice false judgment. Now, in verse 24, Jesus already addressed this, saying, Hey, you say nothing should be done on the Sabbath, yet you circumcise on the Sabbath, because there was a law that on the eighth day, the male child must be circumcised. And the eighth day would sometimes fall on the Sabbath. And then he said to them, Now I heal somebody, and then you say, I'm guilty of violating the Sabbath. What was wrong was their perspective of the Sabbath was more of based on the Talmud, not necessarily the law of Moses. It is men writing commentaries or making suggestions of how the Bible or the Old Testament should be applied. When in fact, if you go back to the text, it actually meant rest, no labor, no labor on the Sabbath. It's not literally don't help one another in the Sabbath. It's not ne necessarily don't help your sheep that might die on the Sabbath. But then they had a misunderstanding of the law. And we made a side note that even today, some fight for their own rules of what a Christian should do or not do based on personal opinion rather than based on the word of God. So many of us gives too many suggestions on how to apply God's word. Well, we should. However, let's not go very far. Let's not make the opinion or the suggestion as law. So before you judge somebody, is that a Christian? That action? Make sure you have a basis 
that the Bible did call that thing a sin. If you have no basis, please be gentle with your opinions and be gracious to one another. Let us not like, let's not be like the Pharisees. But here, it will also be revealed that the Pharisees had no place to investigate. They're really confident at what they know, but they are, would be proven wrong if anyone just studies the scripture. First, let's look at this division that happened in this discourse. Let's read verses 42-44. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Now, what does it mean, the prophet? Well, Moses said long ago that there's somebody who would rise up like him. So that was the prophet that they were talking about in the Old Testament scriptures or in the law. Now, others said, this is the Christ. Now, where did Christ come from? The word Christ means Savior. And it's the prophets who spoke about a coming Savior. Savior that the people thought would be a savior from the political entanglements that Israel faced ever since Babylon, when God used the Babylonians to discipline Israel. They lost their land. When I say they lost their land, it doesn't mean that they no longer came back to live there. They were able to come back in the time of Persia. Persia defeated Babylon and became the, the next superpower. The Persian... Persians allowed them to come back and rebuild until the Romans came, but never self-ruling. The son of David or a descendant of David not ruling them. So when they say the Christ, often it is referred to as a savior, a messiah of a physical and political nature, not a spiritual nature. And John would reveal to us, like the rest of the writers of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that his kingdom is primarily a spiritual kingdom. And how can we understand that? Before the physical world was created, God already existed. Meaning the spiritual realm existed before the physical realm. Meaning what? The spiritual world is more real than us. Well, that's just me, okay? You can't find that in scripture, it's just me. So please, okay? Now, we preachers must define what we think and what the Bible says, okay? That is to be fair to the congregation listening to us as they study with us the Holy Scriptures. Now, do you think spiritual life is important? Well, allow me to say this in a philosophical, logical, or even theological way. The spiritual life is more real than the chair that you're sitting on. Is that chair real? Does it hold you? Can you feel it? Of course. Now, don't think the spiritual realm isn't real. The Holy Spirit is real. When Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life, that is real. Verse 42, has the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David? Has not the scripture said that the Christ must uh, comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was. So there was a division among the people over him. 
Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. Now, again, they, some of them believe that Jesus to be the prophet or the Christ. Well, actually, he was both. However, some had questions because he, had, he came from Galilee. He grew up in Galilee. So, now, there's something wrong there. No, if one investigates further, nobody cared to interview Christ. Nobody cared to say to him directly, but you're from Galilee. They just what? They just murmured. And that murmuring went all the way to the Pharisees. You know how people whisper then. It was not text message. They ran. <gasps> There's news. <laughs> they ran. No, if we didn't have cell phones, we would be a lot thinner today. Uh, <laughs> but they ran. So there was a division among the people over him. Now, they expected the Messiah to come from Bethlehem, not from Galilee. Does the people... Were divided. You see, but he did come from Bethlehem. He was born there. That's why the prophecy is also fulfilled that he came from there because he was born there. People kept asking me where I'm from when I, well, I had my elementary in Metro Manila and my high school before going to Los Banos for my college, but when people ask me every time where I am from, I never said Metro Manila. I kept saying I was born in Naga, that my parents made that clear to me, Mother Seton, Naga City. Can you imagine the nostalgia as a teenager coming in? Oh, this is Mother Seton. This is where I was born. So Jesus was from Bethlehem because he was born there. Let me add, it's not in the text, but let me add that he would also come from Egypt. But he's not necessarily Egyptian because we know that one day Herod tried to kill the baby, babies and Joseph brought his family to Egypt and then they came back when everything settled down. So he was also from Egypt. Can you imagine these different prophecies being fulfilled in one person? Probability-wise, mathematically-wise, it's just amazing. Well, they said, well, he should come from Bethlehem. Now, let me just add a little something for your appreciation, because they said, uh, the village where David was, because the coming Christ, the Savior, would be a descendant of David, and he is a descendant of David in both lines. Genealogy-wise, Jesus' foster parents, Joseph and Mary, were both descendants from David, Joseph through Solomon, and Mary through Nathan. Isn't that amazing? So many prophecies being fulfilled, and if the people, the Jewish leaders, just tried to do some research of the claims of this man, they would fight, wait, so many things are aligning. Maybe he is the Christ. And I believe, personally, partially, Nicodemus might think so. Might think so. There was division. Next, there was a dilemma. The dilemma of the officers. 
Now, the Jewish officers could not arrest Jesus. Thus, the Pharisees and the chief priests questioned them. Them who? Those who were supposed to be to arrest Jesus did not produce Jesus. Now, the response of those who were supposed to arrest was, no one ever spoke like this man. Aside from the divided crowd, now I'm sure the teachings of Jesus affected them. Let's read verses 45 to 49. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? No, have any of the authorities and Pharisees believed in him? I mean, why do you believe? We don't believe. Well, Later on, we know that some of the Pharisees will believe. But this crowd, this crowd that says that some of them believed him, they do not know the law and they are accursed. Now, that's an arrogant way to say, knowing that the Jewish people learned the law when they were kids. It was a tradition for many generations. Sometimes when you're insecure, you say the wrong things. So what's happened if you feel insecure, keep quiet. Don't say anything. Amen. Amen. Because you'll say the wrong thing. Right? Oh, isn't he amazing? Yeah, but he's ugly. You just have to say it, right? Makatama ka lang. When you feel insecure, just zip, zip, zip. And say, Lord, change my heart. Allow me to be happy with others. The blessings of others. You don't have to say, I'm also good. Don't you think so? (laughs) Zip, zip. The Bible said, let another man praise you. It's something we all have to learn. Because we want to share the little blessings we want. We're so happy. We want to let people know. Wisdom book tells us. Let another man praise you, not your own lips. Let another one. The Pharisees expressed contempt. Again, asking, were you deceived also? Now, some might say the statement, do you see anyone of us believing? It is a statement of probably feeling threatened, but also... But probably there's also a wonder, wondering if some of them do believe right now. There's still that small probability, although this is more of a reaction of, do you see me believing? Do you see us believing? Why do you believe? And lastly, last point, false judgment. Let's read verses 50 to 52. Uh, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, And who was one of them, one of who? The Jewish authorities, okay, and the Pharisees said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Now they replied, Are you from Galilee too? Now that was a derogatory statement because there was a bias against Galilee. Now, look at this. 
Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Perhaps Nicodemus tried to not say anything so that his leader would not be embarrassed. And that could be a wise thing to do. Be careful. Don't embarrass your boss. You might not get that promotion. <laughs> Side comment. <laughs> when he did not. Why? Because this is wrong. The implicatory question is, see that there's no prophet that comes from Galilee is wrong. Who is one of the favorite characters in Sunday school? The one who was swallowed by a big sea creature. Yes, Jonah. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah was from Galilee. Nicodemus spoke out. And his question was valid. Due process. Due process. Now, he was actually challenging the way they were thinking because he said, okay, this is wrong. We're not doing this the right way. And somehow Nicodemus is somebody who tries to look at the different perspectives. When he spoke to Jesus in John chapter 3, it was a challenge of a discourse, as we have preached before. And now he was challenging again. And you know what? Some people are like that. And we appreciate those people in board meetings. <laughs> Why? Because they're always looking at the other perspective and trying to see the big picture and trying to question. Just don't overdo it, but it's good to question things. Amen? So he was questioning their way of... of of thinking and, and speaking right now. But the response of the Pharisees showed that they were not concerned with due process. Now, a bias against Galilee and its inhabitants pervaded. Well, if you're curious, Nicodemus did not come from Galilee. Okay, It was just, did you come from Galilee too? It's a, it's a put-down statement. Do you also come from there? Why do you think that way? But the prophecy was clear that Christ would come from Bethlehem. But they did not know all the facts. They were not concerned about due process. They were not concerned about investigating who Christ is or listening to him. The Pharisees did not judge with right judgment. Now Jesus also said that before in verse 24, that they were not judging rightly. And again, they were not judging rightly. They, would, they even misunderstood scripture saying that no prophet arises from Galilee. Sometimes the most learned can skip something. That's why it's good to, as a body, we try to make sermons as a group. But also it is good for the people of every church to learn context study, to put all who preach here always on our toes, studying carefully, that we may not miss something, hopefully. And if ever we do miss something, hopefully the next Sunday we'll correct it and say, forgive us, this was inaccurate, this is the more accurate statement. Why? Humanity. The human brain is amazing, but it's not perfect. Right? 
Your, your mind, it's amazing, but it's not perfect. That's why the part that, well, I could be wrong, and that's the beauty of gathering together as a group, you discuss, but anyone who says, I am right and everybody's wrong, rather than saying, oh, that's a different perspective, that's interesting, let me look into that. Before finalizing everything, the rules of context study is simple. You have to understand what the author is saying in the text and the context literarily, then you have to understand historically what was the background historically, and you have to understand what do those words mean anything culturally. Like today when you say, sakit ng kalingkingan, sakit ng buong katawan, that proverb came from whom? I don't know either. Ang hindi marunong tumihin sa pinanggalingan, hindi makakarating sa paroroonan, that proverb came from home. Oh, some of you got Jose Rizal. Okay. <laughs> but the point is, that's a cultural thing among the Filipinos. That will not be easily understood by others. Some might get it, but not immediately. It takes time. Now, that's why we study these things. We study the culture, how the words were spoken. We study the text and the context and, hi and history. It's not that difficult. You get a good study Bible. You get a few references. We have a library. You don't have to be, have a PhD to understand these things. But one can learn and see if we are accurate or not, or your conclusions as well. Now, the Pharisees... They misled themselves. They were not practicing righteous judgment in terms of their understanding of the word and understanding of Jesus Christ. Let's go to application. Number one, expect division. When preaching the gospel or proclaiming the gospel to friends, relatives, expect division. Some will believe, but others will not. But many will marvel at the gospel. Nevertheless, we must proclaim that he is the living water who will quench our spiritual, mental, and emotional thirst. There will be division. So please don't get hurt if they reject your message. It's not about you. All right? It's not about you. I don't want to share because I don't want to feel rejected. Please, please, it's not about you. Grow up. Grow up. They won't kill you like in these times, okay? The apostles were killed. Well, first they suffered, persecuted, and they reached their demise, all for the gospel. Some will reject you. Some will maintain their distance from you. Funny thing, but when they're in trouble, they will look for you for prayer. It's, I don't know, it happened so many cases already. Expect division. It makes you, well, you manage your expectations. Now, there are different ways to proclaim the gospel, share a video, um, keep sharing videos, uh, give a book, or tell a story. Invite them for coffee, tell a story. Or this Christmas season, gather everybody around. You tell the Christmas story, all, but all the way to the death and resurrection of Jesus and proclaim the words, we must repent and believe. You have proclaimed the gospel. 
Find ways. Second application, this side. The religious police could not arrest him. They experienced a dilemma. Should we arrest him or not? Well, they did not. However, we do not have the same dilemma because we believe and we are decisive. But our decisiveness comes from the Father, not from us. Therefore, we praise and honor God for His grace upon us. Now that we know, with many, many witnesses, many witnesses, we know and we believe. That's why we can live, because He lives. That's why we believe. We believe in the resurrection. Yes, we do. Somebody, I think, Lee Strobel, tried to disprove the resurrection. He tried to look at experts in the academe and said he has a theory that it is mass delusion. And the, <laughs> and the professor said it's, it's really impossible for 500 people to see the same thing. If it's a delusion because you're high on drugs, you usually don't see the same thing. Right, those who experienced. Don't, don't, don't incriminate yourself, okay? Uh, when you're high, you see your own imaginations. When you're depressed, you see your own imaginations, but it's usually unique per person. And some said the Bible, well, how do we know it's real? Well, do you believe that Aristotle existed? through literary criticism by collecting the manuscripts during that time. They have a few hundred copies of Aristotle's teachings. And how was that? Because it was handwritten. Meaning proving that there's a lot of copies. That this guy existed and he was part of the history in Macedonia where he trained, he taught Alexander. The great, if you believe Aristotle existed because of the hundreds of manuscripts, take a load of thousands of manuscripts of the Bible. Take a load of that. Confirming, believing, writing it down again and again. Then said, no, it's a hoax. It was planned. It's a conspiracy for them to believe. Will you, are you willing to be beheaded for a conspiracy? Are you willing to be beheaded for a lie? Are you willing to be crucified upside down and said because of a lie? Really? All the apostles died a horrible death. All. Anyone could have said, oh, I was just joking. We planned this all along, you know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Please don't kill me. No, 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 no. In the face of death, they did not change their statement. And you who conclude that it isn't true, what have you studied? What have you researched? Ah, if you're so confident and proud, see me in my office. Let's see what you know. I'm just going to counter check what you're going to say. Decide, I believe because I know I know the history, I know his words, and of course, because the Father's grace was upon us. 
So, lastly, avoid false judgment. The enemies of the gospel do not think fair. Moreover, they thought they were doing good by opposing Christ, even if they have not learned enough about Christ. We should not be like them. We study the scriptures, which leads us to believe in Jesus Christ. You want to complete it? It's Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Lord means sovereign. The God who is sovereign, who sits at the right hand of the Father. The Son of Man. What does the Son of Man mean in Daniel? One who has dominion over all for eternity. Jesus was the name given to him on earth, meaning also Savior. It also means, well, it has the same sound as Joshua. And Christ is a promised Messiah of the prophets of the Old Testament. So the law and the prophets were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now, if you're thinking of biblical prophecy, look at Christ. He is the center. Of course, Israel is a timetable, but please don't jump from every prophetic guru in the YouTube. Okay, chill, all right? Focus on the job. What is the job? Make disciples of all nations. Proclaim the gospel. Let's focus on the job. I give you a piece of poetry entitled From Bethlehem. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Only very few knew it then. Prophecy fulfilled in their midst, but their minds clouded with a mist. Clouded for they did not listen, their prejudgments tightly woven. They see a man from Galilee. The Father did not make them see. Some believed, but some didn't so. It means that they will never know. About the eternal life in Christ, when death comes, they will be surprised. And where he is, they could not come. They will not enter the kingdom. Through the Father, we believe him, Jesus, our Savior and our King. Let us all rise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for reminding us that indeed prophecy was fulfilled. Unlike what the Pharisees concluded, not even giving time to investigate. But we believe, we believe, we believe. We believe in the Son of God. We believe in the resurrection. We believe He sent His Spirit to all who believe. We believe that His Spirit, they are, His words, they are Spirit and they are alive. We believe He is the Word from eternity, becoming flesh and tabernacled in our midst. We believe in the testimony of the apostles and many of those who have seen him resurrected. That's why we can sing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And that tomorrow is eternity. That tomorrow is the judgment. We can face the judgment. It is not just hope on earth, but the hope of forgiveness already given through the cross. Yet we pray, use us to proclaim your beautiful gospel. 
and tell the world that we must repent and believe. Make us understand it's not about us, that the rejection is not about us. It's about the gospel that we must proclaim. That we are not the center of this proclamation. Jesus is the center. Be glorified. Even with divergent views until today, we know in whom we believe. Jesus Christ, Son of Man, Son of God, our Messiah. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Amen. Good morning. God bless you all.